William Harris's Mr. World and Miss Church Member. This is an allegory, and the subtitle is called An Allegory of the 20th Century. This book was written in 1901, and how's this? It was published in Elgin, Illinois. I lived and worked as a pastor 15 minutes from there. Of all the places in the world, that's where this book was. This book is written 100 years ago as an allegory, and I was encouraged to read this book by a friend, and since then I read it many years ago. I bought this book off the internet, and then I read it many years ago, and I've remembered it for a long time, and as I was preparing this course, I thought that the message would be very helpful for you. So I'd like to tell you the story of Mr. World and Miss Church Member. You can follow the handout. The story opens like John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress opens. It opens with the author speaking in the first person. He said, I had a vision, and in my vision, a terrible demon came and stood by me, and I was terrified of the demon. And suddenly I heard a voice saying, don't be afraid. He must tell you everything he knows. So for the entire book, you're going to have this demon answering his questions. And then as he's standing there amazed, right in front of him, an enormous door opens up, just like you see on the cover. An enormous door is portrayed, and then it begins to open. And it's so large that no hand could ever open it. It has to be the hand of God. As the door opens, he sees in front of him two roads, and these two roads run almost parallel to each other the whole way, so that as the roads go, they'll, they, they almost bump and then go apart and come back together, and there's little paths from one to the other where people keep trading roads, and there's all the people on the road on the left. And there's not very many people on the road on the right. The road on the right is titled the King's Highway. And the road on the left is called the Broad Highway. And so as the story opens, this man, we'll just call him Harris, his last name there, William Harris. Harris speaks to the demon and says, what do I see here? And he looks down as the demon explains to him that down on the road is this modest, nice-looking woman. She's virtuous. She has a Bible. She's kind. She has character. And she's walking on the king's highway. Her name is Miss Church Member. Miss because she's not a missus yet. She's not married yet. She's just maybe 22, and she's walking on the king's highway, carrying a Bible and wearing modest clothing, all in white. On the other side is a road with many people, and at one point, she stops on the road and looks over to the people who are near her but walking on that road, and she sees a very handsome, well-dressed young man. And he greets her, and she greets him. And 
urges him to come where? To the king's road. The man says, my name is Mr. World. And I'm not interested in coming to your road. At least, not yet. I have some questions about your road. I have some things I have to sort out. Can you help me sort out those things? And the woman says, yes, I can. There's every good reason to be on this road. And there's no good reasons to be on that road. And the man says, well, if you can help me, I will join you. And so the woman says, well, come over here and I'll help you. He says, no, no, no. I understand, but you're asking a lot from me. And I can't come over to you just yet. So you need to come to me. But I promise you, if you come to me and answer my questions, I will join you. I just can't get there. It's not possible for me to get to you. So I need you to help me. After all, doesn't your book tell you to reach out to people like me? She says, well, it does. And I want to be a missionary. Well, if you want to be a missionary, then come over and get me. And she says, well, I can't. And, um, but I promise if you come over here, then I will come over there. And so the woman leaves the road. Even though her friends say, don't go, don't go. She responds, I've got to. I've got to reach him. I've got to win him. If, if I go there, I can help him. Look at number four in the notes. Will you not, Miss Church Member, do the work of a good missionary and, like Christ, adapt yourself to my level that I may, by your uplifting influence, be drawn into a nobler life and even have your companionship as I go up to the highway of your king? Well, she has a hard time. But number six, she justified her own course by what she was aiming to do. We call that pragmatism. She's doing the wrong thing, but she says, well, I can overlook it because I have a good goal. Pragmatism. Prag, P-R-A-G-M-A-T-I-S-M. Pragmatism. This woman becomes a pragmatist. As they journey along the Broadway, men and women, and so, so they're on the Broadway, and as they go, sometimes a man or woman will fall suddenly into an invisible uh, a pit that they had not seen was there. And as they're falling, they'll scream, and you'll see out of the pit will come flames. Miss Church member is terrified, and what can I do? But quickly, a demon will come and cover that pit again. And she says, what are they doing? They're falling. They're falling into sin. They're falling into hell, into death. I've got to stop them. Mr. Church, uh, Mr. World says, oh, relax. It happens all the time. You have to get used to this or you can't live. She says, I, I can't live with them falling. Look, here comes a woman now. Mr. World says, try it. Try to stop her. So Miss Church member gets out and says, no, right there's a hole. I just saw someone fall. And the woman says, oh, Sure, you can talk like that as long as you're in the broad road. Yeah, we're both in the broad road, so why are you telling me what to do? 
you want to talk to me, why don't you go back to the king's highway? Talk like this, like you're some big holier than thou. She said, but I'm telling you, there's a hole. You're going to fall in it. And the woman went forward and fell to her death. Mr. World said, I tried to tell you. You can't help them. They don't want to listen. Miss Church member said, but now, now look, they're falling. You've got to go with me and join the right way. Well, number, eight, number nine, along the way, there were so many things to attract the attention that the farther Miss Church member journeyed with Mr. World, the less frequently she looked back to the King's Highway. At last, they reach a path that turns to the right. So here they are walking along the path. This path turns to the right and it will join the King's Highway. And she says, Mr. World, you promised me to go. I've answered your questions. I've talked to you. I've told you. Now come, we've got to go. You have to keep your word. And he says, you can't force me to go on that road. It's so hard. Look at the rocks and it wouldn't be good for your feet either. You're going to try to walk on that road in those clothes. You'll get dirty. There's going to be wild beasts. It's dangerous. You can't go on that road. Mr. World refuses to turn. So Miss Church member, she says, I'm going to leave you. I told you I was coming here to evangelize you. And look what's happened. I've just been walking in this broad road. I'm leaving. I'm going to go. Mr. World says, okay, if you want to go, if you don't like me, you can go. You said you loved me. You said you all love people who are dying. You said your Lord Jesus loves the whole world. If you want to just drop me, go ahead and drop me. But I'll warn you, the help that I've been giving you, I won't give you that help anymore. You don't want my help? Just go. But that's pretty ungrateful of you. I can't believe the way you are. So, this church member turns to leave. She's not going to be tricked by this man one moment longer. He's angry at her, and she's angry at him. But suddenly, all of his friends come up and say, Hey, hey, look, this church member, you've already done him so much good. He used to be like this, but you've already picked him up. You don't know what he was like before. Before, oh, he was so bad, but he's, you're, you're changing him. You're winning. You're, just keep a little more. You can't give up now. You give up now and you lose everything. Well, her conscience told her not to turn back. But because the friends encouraged her, she decided to walk on with him. And now she walks a little bit closer than ever before. After they've walked on for some time, she realizes actually that he's pretty smart. And she mentions, you know, I, I think I didn't respect you enough before. I think I'm going to tell you that I, I really do respect you now. Number 14, <clears throat> after they've traveled for some time, they come to a beautiful set of buildings on the broad highway. Enormous buildings. They're very impressive. And the, Mr. World says, these are the optical college. That's the, the school for the eyes. There's doctors in here that can give you an eye check. Now, remember, this is in 1901 when glasses are not common. He says they've, they've done amazing scientific work for, for eyes. I'm going to go and have my eyes checked because I want to make sure I can see correctly. He walks into the optical college and they say we give eye exams for free. They check his eyes. They say your eyes are perfect. Wow. Glad to, glad to hear that. And then he says to Miss Church member, don't you want to have them examine your eyes? 
She says, well, I don't think I can pay for it. Oh, the exam's free. And I'll tell you, you've been so good to me, and I promised I would help you. The examination is free. And if they want to do any surgery, I'll pay for that. So she's impressed. She steps forward, and they give her an eye examination. The first thing they have her do is look through a telescope down to the end of the broad road. And they say, look down the telescope. Can you see heaven at the end? And she says, I can't see it at all. Ooh, the doctors scribble in their paper. That's very bad. Your eyes are very bad. Here, here's a Bible. Look at the Bible. They said, can you see all the mistakes in the Bible? No, I don't see any mistakes in the Bible. Oh, your eyes are very, very bad. She says, they said, let's just look again. Look at the clothes you're wearing, those white robes. Do you see that they don't look in fashion at all? She says, well, I, think that, I think they're beautiful. Oh, your eyes are very bad. And so they give her a prescription. They say, your eyes are so bad they've been damaged by all the light. So they put her under a, a course of medicine where they put all kinds of chemicals on her eyes and they lay her back for days with, with, uh, in a dark room. He says that in there, in a dark room with no light, with chemicals on her eyes and a cloth covering her eyes. And then finally she has to have surgery and then they give her glasses. And she finds out that as soon as she steps out with her glasses and her surgery, she can see things so differently. Now suddenly, the king's highway looks very hard. And she notices that her dress, it, it's, it's ugly. And she notices that everyone seems very nice on this road and it looks very comfortable after she steps out of the optical college. Now, Mr. World pays for all of this, and the doctors gave her strict orders. Number 19, do not read your Bible, quote, until her eyes were fully adjusted to the new lenses. And so she goes on for a few days, and finally she does turn her eyes to the Bible again. But now when she opens the Bible, she finds that whenever she opens, she only looks for a moment and then she's glancing around at something so beautiful on the, on the broad path. And she finds that she never reads. He even says this. She never reads one full, full portion. She looks and then turns and then turns. I, it's amazing you'd write things like that. It's like you live today. She flips around and she can't read even one section of the Bible by herself. So very soon... Mr. World says, I don't want to be too personal, but have you noticed that your clothes aren't very fashionable? Now, well, how does a 22-year-old girl feel in the presence of a 27-year-old, handsome, rich young man? She wants to be impressive. And so they enter the devil's pawn shop. And they'll take what your old things are and give you new things at a cheap price. And so they take off the robes of righteousness that she was given when she entered the king's highway. And they give her instead dress of conceit, vanity, and liberty. That's number 21. Those are the exact words of Harris's text. 
the hat of conceit. Do you remember what the, what the Bible says? You wear the helmet of salvation. But then, and there's pictures in the book too. You can see it. She takes the hat of conceit. And she takes the dress of vanity. And the, the overcoat of liberty. Liberty means you can do what you want. There's no rules. Ah, stop those rules that keep you from doing what you want. Miss Church member, however, would not pawn her Bible. She said, I have to keep it. I have to keep it because I'm so used to my Bible. Look at this next line, 23. This is Harris writing. Thus I saw how some worshipped the Bible who did not worship. Have you not seen that? How many people pretend to be Christians and have a Bible at home, but they've never read it? They don't know what it says. That's her. This is the story of the person you live beside. Soon, Miss Church member was moving happily along the Broadway with Mr. World until they overtook Mr. Deacon and Mr. Pastor from the same church to whom Miss Church member was a member. She says, How did you, they ask her, how did you come to adopt this dress and be in such close fellowship with Mr. World? Mr. Deacon asks. Well, I am now in the midst of my missionary work, replies Miss Church member. You see, she calls herself what? Didn't I tell you about that college in America, the Christian college in America that sent out, didn't send out, a boy graduated from their college. He became a model. For an indecent clothing company, they took pictures of him without his shirt on and with, with other states of undress. They took pictures of him with girls in laying down. Some of those pictures were put in the college student newspaper and they called him in the college newspaper a missionary. It's out. I mean, you can't make this up. The man's a prophet. That happened about 20 years ago. This guy wrote the book 120 years ago. She calls herself a missionary because here she is with Mr. World and she finds deacon, my deacon, my pastor on this road. The church leaders made their way to the broad road by trying the narrow way first. However, Mr. Deacon and Mr. Pastor, one of them came to the 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 entryway marked holiness. And there's a picture in the book. It's made of stone and it's very small. And Mr. Deacon is carrying all these things with him and he can't squeeze through. So some guy helps push him. And then finally says, you can't get through there unless you drop all the things you're carrying. And he says, well, then I'm not going through there. It was the, it was the door marked holiness. So his, the deacon turns back and finds there's a path Right from the door marked holiness. And you just walk carefully and you can get where? To the broad road. A similar thing happened to Mr. Pastor. Mr. Pastor was walking along and he was carrying a big name. But he got to the door marked sacrifice. And he couldn't get through the door marked sacrifice as long as he carries the big name. And he thought, I've got my option. I throw my name on the ground and get through the door. Or I take the... Small path to get to the Broadway. So Mr. Pastor went on the Broadway as well. But he still preaches at the church every Sunday. Suddenly on on their path they see a sign marked, To heaven without sacrifice, number 26. Number 27, both of these men were rebuked by other church members. 
That is the, the deacon and the pastor, as they went to the broad road, other church members rebuked them. But they just replied, judge not that you be not judged. That verse is used all the time in this book. And isn't it used all the time in life? If you try to be a holy Christian, someone's going to tell you that. Judge not that you be not judged. Mr. World praised them for being, quote, champions in the use of Bible truth. You can always find someone who will call you wonderful and glorious if you break God's law. It's not hard. It's hard to be a godly man and find someone to praise you. Number 28, Miss Church. By the way, the blanks, do you see the blank lines? Those are new chapters. Number 28, Miss Church member and Mr. World reached the hill of remorse. This is a hill they're walking up. And as they're going up, Miss Church member feels so bad. She says, what have I done? I'm on this hill and I can see down there too. The King's Highway. I should be on that highway. Oh, I feel so badly. What am I doing? What am I doing? As they climb up the hill, remorse. But Mr. World urges her just to wait a little longer until they get to the top and the pains of conscience end. And that's where they find the resort of apathy. Do you know what a resort is? It's a place where you can relax and swim, have fun. They find the resort of apathy. Apathy means, ah, I don't care. You go to church once every six months. Ah, I'm just relaxed. I don't really care. They get to the place called apathy, and she immediately forgets her guilt. Number 30, at the resort, she relaxes with art, music, romance, and sports. She hears a woman preacher preaching to the crowd. At the resort, there's a woman preacher preaching on this title. This is, the, this is her sermon right from the book. Quote, the true peace of the world. Doesn't that sound like what they would do? They take Bible words and they put it away. You think, well, is that good? or bad? I can't tell. And here's, this is the hymn. The man, Harris, wrote hymns for the false church. It's in the book. Here's one of the hymns. Look at this. Sweet world, so bright and fair. We would thy pleasures share while days pass on. Thou art our truest friend. On thee our souls depend till life is gone. Who do they love in that song? They're singing to the world. Quote number 32, she looked into the eyes of Mr. World with more than poetry in her glance. For her heart was now thrilled with the first touches of true love for him. They enter now the valley of temptation where both the roads run parallel to each other. The servants of Satan are throwing hooks. The roads are very near. And the servants of Satan throw hooks onto the king's highway with money at the end. And they wait and watch until someone picks it up. And then very slowly, very slowly they pull it. And the people are pulled back without suspecting a thing. Some people, they throw money. Sometimes the servants of Satan throw fame. They throw comfort. They can throw anything over there to reel them back in. Another snare, number 35, were these buildings named bureaus of information where intelligent men could have deep questions answered. These buildings had an entrance right by the king's highway. And when people would walk into the door, they could ask questions like, and this is the question he puts in the book. 
Where did sin come from? I need to understand this. Where did sin come from? And the man inside the Bureau of Information would give an answer. And then he'd say, you know, you look like an intelligent man. Why don't you come right through here? We'll let you have a course for free. And they step out the back door. They come in the front door by the King's Highway. Right here. Here's the king. They come in the front door by the King's Highway. They talk to the man and then they step in the back door into a university by the Broad Road. From a tall tower in this valley, the Valley of Temptation, they're able to see the greatness of the world and the roughness of the King's Highway. Number 37, next they visit the devil's schools of literature. Here they find every kind of book with no discernment between what's good and what's bad, except for personal taste. Miss Church member enters a hall where there's a man teaching and giving a lecture. In that hall, she is taught to enjoy sensual stories and sensual talk. They see that most of the authors in the world write for the Devil's College. Because in the Devil's College of Literature, they have all the books, good and bad. And they can see in there that most of the authors are trained in the Devil's College. And most of the authors write to please him. I look at number 41. Ten commandments were posted so that the authors might know how to write books that would win the favor of the world. All ten commandments are interesting, but here's two of them. Number one, I actually think it's number three in there. Novelty is the winning feature. What does novelty mean? Vunsa? Vusa? Not Vusa, but is it Husa? New. Whatever is new is good. And that's what's honored in the Devil's College of Literature. Whatever's new. The second commandment that is listed that I put here in the notes, cater to the tastes and wishes of the majority. Cater to the tastes and wishes of the majority. Give the people what they want as the majority. The deception is now so complete that Miss Church member, quote, now claimed to be a more faithful Christian than ever before. Mark that at number 42. At least four times in this book, I recorded them all right here, at least four times in this book, her confidence gets stronger the longer she's on the broad road. That is, she's more confident that she is a Christian the farther she goes on the broad road. Do not trust people simply because they think they are Christians. Miss Church member... Her confidence gets stronger as she gets more worldly. There is such a thing as false confidence. It is very common. It is, un- it is the most deadly thing in the world is false confidence. This whole town is filled with false confidence. If you can convince a person that they are not truly a Christian, they will run to Christ many times. The problem is they don't think there's a problem. Yeah, God's happy with me. Just last Saturday, four days ago, three, three days ago, 
I was evangelizing in Dakota, and I came to the house of a man who came to this college when it was a full-time college for two years. He trained here to be a pastor. He came to Grace Bible Church for about six months. He's not going to any church. Caleb and I spoke with him on Saturday. How are things going spiritually, I asked. What did he say, Caleb? He said, oh, very well. Very well. He sat for two full years when it was full-time Bible college classes. He came all kinds of classes. He came to the church. And he says, oh, things are going great. He's not going to church. He's not living for the Lord. And things are great. The longer you go on the broad highway, the more confident that you are you're a Christian. Do not count someone a Christian because they are sure that they are. In fact, often the more sure a person is that he is a Christian, the higher your doubt should be. It is very common, it is one of the terrible results of the broad road that a person becomes more confident as they go along. And the marks I put right here in the back, at least four marks where she gets more confident as she goes until the last one is eight pages from the end where she's very sure that she's a Christian. Number 43, within the colleges of literature were seven levels of theaters. So do you follow that now? We're in, we're in the colleges of literature. There's three colleges of literature, and within that college of literature is this seven levels of theaters. Now remember, what year was this written? 1901. Had they, did they have a television invented at that time? So when he says theater... He means something similar to television for his day. Public entertainment where people act out stories. He says there are seven levels of theater on the broad road. Number 44, in Satan's theaters, he tries to tempt the best talent away from the king's highway. Quote, thus Satan seems to encourage morality in order to carry out his deeply laid schemes of moral pollution. The first two levels of the theater have no sin. They're just nice moral stories so that you will go into level three. And then in level three, it's just a little bit. And he has rules for the theater in here. The demons wrote rules and the rules are never make the sin so clear. It must be sin that is appropriate to the level that they're at. So they'll keep going a little bit deeper until they get to level seven where it's open portrayal of wickedness and vice. The hearts, number 45, the hearts of these people are so seared and their ears so dull that they have no desire for the music of celestial choirs. He's talking about the people who frequent the theaters. Number 46, This is the demons talking here. Quote, the money flowing from the entire seven grades fell into one treasury so that they who moved in the supposed moral atmosphere of the first and second theaters were nevertheless patrons of the whole wicked business. 
So if you're the one at the, at, you say, well, I'm just here at level number one. I'm just involved in, the, in these small things. Yeah, but you're supporting level three, four, and six, and seven. It's all together, and Satan knows it. And even if it's not only the wickedness, because some people say, they say, well, I just watch out if there's any nakedness or if there's any bad words or if there's any violence in the movie. I won't watch the movie if it has nakedness or violence or bad words. In levels one and two, he says over and over, the problem is with the theater, they stop going to the prayer meeting. And he even has you meet with the demons. The author, the demon takes Harris down into a meeting with the demons where they're planning this. And the demons say, let's give them so much entertainment that they won't have any taste for the prayer meeting. Imagine that. One of the theater shows was intentionally playing during the time of the church's prayer meetings. And Miss Church member had a chance to choose, do I go to the prayer meeting or do I go here? And she went to the theater, of course. Number 47, it is no more a mystery why such churches have lost their holy influence and their warmth of spiritual life while worldliness flourishes from the pew to the pulpit. Mr. World encourages Miss Church member to attend the theater because all the other Christians are going on the same day that she used to go to the prayer meeting. And as I mentioned, while those two are in the theater, the demon takes Harris down to see what all the demons are planning. Number 50, one demon announced that the theater is, quote, fast winning the church. What year were those words written? Is it better or worse today? What do people love more? Coming to a church that doesn't have entertainment music, that has God-centered music, that has prayers that are long, that has preaching that will make you afraid and cry. What is more appealing to the people today? TV and movies and video games or that kind of church? What are the demons saying now? Number 51, one of the demons said, quote, We are careful to give church members enough immoral and sensual bait to draw them further. Wild applause from the other demons. Number 52, another demon spoke about the church music. Quote, the church music. Remember, we're talking about theater, but they also have a section here where the demons talk about what they can do for the church music. Look at this. Quote, of course we do not oppose the use of religious words. If we cannot induce them to sing our selections, we are aiming to create a taste for the up-to-date novelties in music rather than old hymns. That's what the demons say. The demons say, hey, I don't care about the words. As long as they're playing our kind of music, what do we hear even from Reformed churches? Well, it's, I know it's rap, but it's got Christian words. I know it's rock music, but it has Christian words. Come out from among them and be separate. The Bible is so clear. Follow holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And the same Christians who say, oh, I'm reformed. I'm a Calvinist. God is in control of everything in my life except music. 
as if, as if here's an area of life God doesn't even care. TV, DVDs, music, entertainment, God doesn't care at all about that. Do whatever you like in that area. This is a truncated conversion. This is not lordship salvation that Jesus taught. Unless you forsake all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. And the demons know this. And this was written in 1901 before jazz or rock and roll were invented. Number 53, when, the, when they visit the inventor's city, they find scientists trying to bring machinery into the church. What do we see today? Pastors walking with iPads. And they'll take their case off the iPad so you can see the apple. They do that. And they'll hold their things up just so that everyone can see I have the name brand item. Some time ago, there was some... I saw the news article on this. There was some Twitter guy on Twitter or something who did, uh, he would tweet or put pictures up of pastors in sneakers. I didn't even know this. He would find shoes, tennis shoes, techies that are 5,000 US dollars or more in price. He would find pastors wearing those techies, take pictures of them and put them on the internet. Can you even imagine a man Claiming to be a Christian pastor and wearing tennis shoes that are 60,000 rand. They're trying to bring machinery into the church. Number 54, the inventors have created an angelette, which is a machine that will sing continuously. What do we have today in the churches? You walk into a church, you walk into churches. They'll have music playing over the background. And it's always rock music style. And then people singing. And even in many churches, I have been in churches where they say, our church only has 15 people, so we don't sing very well. So what do they play over the speakers? They'll play CDs of people singing, and the people who are actually there physically present say, That's exactly what he prophesied in 1901. He had never seen a tape player, a record player, a CD, a DVD. He had never seen full streaming services from iTunes. He he predicted this. There's a number of other machines they invent. There are machines made to help the prayer meeting and many other things. But since Miss Church Member had no interest in the prayer meeting anymore, they didn't even go to see what machines were invented. But look in the average church. I was so dismayed when I went back to America and saw churches that have put television screens all around the church. Not just in the sanctuary, which some of them do that too, but even outside, all around, as if that will bring the Holy Spirit. And before, when we didn't have those screens, wow, we were in big need. Now, because we've got flat screen TVs put around, whew, now you can be sure we're going to fulfill the commands of the Bible. Now God will be pleased and we might see revival. Is it any wonder we don't have the power of God when we care more about projectors and computers and laptops? I, I was in a church where they said, Text me your questions while I'm preaching. Oh, God, help us. Oh, Lord Jesus, come back. 
We are infatuated. We're drunk on machinery and technology. And we don't even care that the power of God has gone from us. Samson's hair was cut off. He didn't care that the power of God was gone. We're the same way. Except we don't even realize the Philistines have pulled our eyes out. And we're sitting here still dancing. Yeah, everything's great. I'm doing fine. Oh, may God save us. 56, the couple, for now they truly are in love, visit the church festival, which is a fundraising event for the churches very near to the King's Highway. A fundraising event for the churches. It's very interesting how this happens. They go to a fundraising event. It's held on land between the King's Highway and the Broad Highway. The land is owned by Satan, but he rents it to the church. And the church says, we're going to have a festival in this land to raise money for missions. And at the festival, you come and we sell, we sell food and brides and chips. And we have songs and dances and all these things. And then you give your money and we take that money for missions. And Mr. World gets a chance to speak to some of the, um, the men on the Broadway and says... I don't think this is good. We're going to lose people over to the king's highway. And then Satan comes to speak to Mr. World and says, oh, no, we gain more people this way than any other. Many, many years ago, I had a contest with all the demons and I asked them, what way can we use to get people to attract more people? And one demon had this idea and one demon had this idea. But the demon that won, here's what he said. The demon who won said, I found a Bible. And even though its pages burned me, I turned page after page and I found what thing made Jesus angrier than anything else when he was here on this earth. Can any of you think what it is? It's when he turned over the tables in the temple, when they turned a house of prayer into a money making endeavor. And he said, I knew at that point These people love money so much and they're so easily pulled to love money. If we can simply get them to love money, we will have won the whole war. So we came up with this idea. And the idea is we'll bring business into the church. We'll make the church run on business. And when the church runs on business, they'll love money. And Satan says, I don't mind at all. I'll give them all the money because what I've always loved is the souls. Do we see that happening today? Fundraisers? Number 62. They next visit Satan's missionary colleges. Did you know that Satan has colleges to train missionaries? Where they learn at these missionary colleges that even without the gospel, it's okay. Even without the gospel, the heathen are happy, safe, and they're getting better on their own. And furthermore, Americans should not be missionaries because there's still so much sin in America. That's Satan's call. He says, relax. The Africans were happy before you came and messed it up. You missionaries are a bunch of colonizers. You're messing everything up. Get out of their way and let them be. 
They're happy without you. And besides, number two, they're safe. God's not going to send them to hell because they didn't read the Bible. They never had the Bible. Relax, they're safe. And besides, they're getting better anyway. They're getting better without you. Don't think you're the... This is what they say today. Can I tell you what they say? They say, don't think that you are the, quote, white savior. My wife just saw it on Facebook this week. People attacking missionaries saying, I hate those missionaries who think they're the white saviors. And what they mean by that is, if a Christian missionary comes in and says, your culture is what Jeremiah 10 says it is. It's influenced by demons and you need God. If you talk that way, then they say, you're acting like you are the white savior. I think they just finished a course at the Satan's Missionary College. As they travel on, Mr. World is delighted at how similar they both are. 63, he's delighted at how similar they both are. Miss Church member is embarrassed when she thinks about her old positions. 64, at this point, they pass a church in Miss Church member's denomination. So she carefully adjusts her glasses before entering. Remember, remember, she came from a true church, but the pastor and deacon. So now she's going to go back into the church and see what it's like. She enters the church, number 65, and the man who's there prays fervently and preaches like a Puritan. By the way, those are the words of him in the book. I didn't write those. Those are his words. He prayed fervently and he preached like a Puritan. If anyone wants to know what our church is like, say, at our church, we try to preach like Puritans. I'm not saying we do it, but we try it. That's what we're trying to do. Yet she could scarcely believe that she ever attended such a place. Do you see? In the past, she loved it. Now she looks with her new glasses and, oh, can't stand this. She walks out before the sermon is done. Number 66, Mr. World then invites her to visit his church where, quote, your conscience is not always pricked and you can do many innocent things without being called a sinner. After the sermon, they listen to the sermon and the minister comes up to them and says, We have a fundraiser this coming week. And because of that, we have to cancel the prayer meeting for the next two weeks. The church, the pastor, and the sermon are all marked by an effort to soothe people and make them comfortable. In fact, the pastor says, if you feel conviction, we want to comfort you. Just wants everyone to feel comfortable. Reminds me of what I heard a white man say who came up to Johan- uh, from Johannesburg, came up to preach in Elam many years ago in 2008. He was a false preacher, a prosperity preacher, and I can still remember him shouting out, I don't want you to be unhappy. I just want you to be happy. So we won't talk about hell or sin this week. He said that in Elam, and then they translated it in Songa through a translator. I was sitting there listening to that foul Beast of Satan's. Number 60, 68, 69. In order to join his church. So this church member says, I think I'd like to join your church, but I want to find out what we have to do first. So the pastor says, okay, I have a church covenant. There's 10 things on the church covenant. Look at numbers 2, 7, and 9. Number 2, try to look good in the eyes of the world. Do not wear plain clothing. Point, do we see that today? Point number seven. Do not get angry unless someone judges you or criticizes your church. 
Nothing about Christ, nothing about the Bible in the whole church covenant. Number nine, point number nine in the church covenant. Number nine, attend church services faithfully unless you're sick or disinterested. The pastor tells her as she leaves, there are millions who belong to my church in spirit, but who hold visible connection with some radical church of the king's highway. What does that mean? Some might be in this church and they're really his member. And why does he say that? Because Miss Church member, when she reads the covenant, she thinks about it and says, you know what? I think I should be a missionary to my old church so that I can pull some of them into my way of thinking. And the pastor says, that's a very good idea. You stay in your church and try to pull them over to the broad road. And he even says, oh, there's so many people who are actually members of my church, but they're in other churches. Number 71, on the side of the road, they see an auction taking place where the, they're selling useless trinkets for sale. This was an interesting part of the book. A man's on the auction block selling. He holds up some little trinket. And the people bid, but they don't bid with money. They bid with time. One man shouts out, I'll give that an hour of my life. Someone shouts, I'll give six hours. Another man, I'll give a full day. 24 hours, 24 hours, going once, twice sold. That should cut our hearts. In our churches, aren't we doing that? We throw away the most foolish things. We offer the most ridiculous speeches as sermons. We sing things that aren't even songs to God. We offer prayerless prayers. Cold, disinterested discussion after the church service. And up in the auction, here, I've got right here, I've got a foolish, profitless conversation. How much will you do? I'll give that 30 minutes of my life. I'll give it 60 minutes. Me? I'll give two hours to something foolish. We're fighting to give away our life to the most useless of things. 73, after hearing a field preacher, Miss Church member suddenly has pains in her heart. So they have to take her to the hospital. The devil's hospital is on the road and there's clinics on the king's highway with ambulances running to the devil's hospital. She feels conviction in her heart, so she's taken to the hospital, and the doctor tells her, you have, and he, he gives this long list of symptoms, and it can only be cured if I do an operation to dull your senses. The problem is, your senses are too bright, you feel too much conviction. So he performs a surgery to harden her heart. While she is in the surgery, many other men come into the hospital. I've only put a few in here. Number 76. One man went to the devil's hospital who had been eating sermons and books without doing any work. When the doctor sees him, he says, oh, all you've been doing is eating, eating, eating without doing any work for your master. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to stop eating so much. So he puts him on a regiment where he doesn't have the Bible anymore. That's happening right now. Many more examples of that. Jump down to 82. As they enter the valley of the shadow of death. This is the end of the book. The last chapter. They've been walking on. And I told you up until page 303. That's just a few pages from the end in this book. Up to page 303. 
She is full of confidence. Let me read it. In fact, so you can hear the exact words that she uses here. She's on, she's on the broad road, and there's one last warning where the king's highway comes near to the broad road. And there are people on the king's highway shouting, come, come, you still have a chance. And when they shout to her, this is what Miss Church member says. Oh, judge not that you be not judged. Go speak to the lost. Don't speak to me. I know what's happening. Turn your words to those on your own path who go hobbling along like hypocrites. That's the last time she speaks to a Christian. She's confident there that she's a Christian. The very next thing that happens is the last chapter in the book, the valley of the shadow of death. They come, to a, they come to a steep downhill, and as they walk down, the dark comes. It gets very dark. She says, hold my hand, Mr. World. They hold hands, and she feels that his hand is shaking too. She says, are you afraid? He says, oh, I'm not afraid. But she thinks, why is he shaking? They get down, and they start to stumble, and they see it's so dark, and they look back up and see a little light at the top. And then she says, I don't feel good at all about being here. And they suddenly hear voices that don't sound like human voices. Sounds like demons. She's terrified suddenly. She says, you got to help me. Let's get out of here. Let's let's go back. They turn to go back, but it's so steep, they slip. And then a deep voice says, it's not possible to walk back up this hill. The last opportunity for grace was at the top. And so, Miss Church Member and Mr. World are terrified. And in the last picture, there's a dozen or so pictures in this book. In the last picture in this book, Mr. World and Miss Church Member are grabbed by demons. And they're going to be pushed into the final river, the river of death. She screams for help. And Mr. World says this on the second to last page of the book, or I think it's the second to last, it's the very end of the book. She screams to him for help, and he says, second to last page, cry to me no more. I am overwhelmed with my own fears, and my sins are dragging me down. And this was his last cry. Amidst their screams, an evil monster pushes them both into the rushing rivers of death. And that river empties out in the lake of fire. And as they pass, the last sentence in the book says, as they pass through on that river, just a little way down the river is the landing where all of the people from the king's highway wait And they're carried across the river on angels' wings. That river, of course, is death. May the Lord help us. This book put fire in me. This is real. We are sleepy, drowsy, disinterested Christians holding hands with Mr. World. Let's throw off these sins. Let's be full, dedicated, holy Christians. And when you see someone, speak to them with all your heart. 
And don't give in to pragmatism. That book was written to defeat pragmatism, and it's written before they even have a word for pragmatism. Are there any questions before we pray?